0: Good afternoon. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome, welcome, welcome. We're on Chapter 7 of Five Go Off in a Caravan. So, Chapter 7 is called A Tea Party and a Visit in the Night. Ooh, So, nobody particularly wanted to see round the camp just then because Lou had been so unpleasant. So instead, they showed the admiring Nobby over the two caravans. He had never seen such beauties. Jump in, Jiminy, they're like palaces, he said. Do you mean to say them taps turn on and water comes out? can i turn on a tap i've never turned a tap in my life he turned the taps on and off a dozen times exclaiming in wonder to see the water come gushing out he thumped to the bunks to see how soft they were he admired the colourful soft rugs and the shining crockery oh he was in fact a very nice guest to have and the children liked him more and more They liked Barker and Growler too, who were both well-behaved, obedient merry dogs. Pongo, of course, wanted to turn the taps on and off too, and he threw all the coverings off the two bunks to see what was underneath. He also took the kettle off the stove, put the spout to his thick lips, and drank all the water out of it very noisily indeed. (gasps) "'Forgetting your manners, Pongo!' said Nobby in horror and snatched the kettle away from him. Anne squealed with laughter. She loved the chimpanzee and he seemed to have taken a great fancy to Anne as well. He followed her about and stroked her hair and made affectionate funny noises. "'Would you like to stay and have tea with us?' asked Julian, looking at his watch. "'It's about that time.' Oh, cool, I don't really have tea as a rule,' said Nobby. "'Yes, I'd like to. "'Sure you don't mind me staying, though? "'I haven't got your manners, I know, and I'm a bit dirty, "'and not your sort at all, but you're real kind.' "'Oh, we'd love to have you,' said Anne in delight. "'I'll cut some bread and butter and make some sandwiches. "'Do you like potted meat sandwiches, Nobby?' Don't I just, said Nobby, and Pongo does too. Don't you let him get near em or you'll fin- he'll finish up the lot. It was p- a pleasant and amusing little tea party. They all sat out on the heather on the shady side of the caravan. Barker and Growler sat with Timmy. Pongo sat beside Anne taking bits of sandwiches from her most politely. Nobby enjoyed his tea immensely, eating more sandwiches than anyone and talking all the time with his mouth full. He made the four children yell with laughter. He imitated his uncle Dan doing some of his clown tricks. He turned cartwheels all round the caravan while he was waiting for Anne to cut more sandwiches. He stood solemnly on his head and ate a sandwich like that. Much to Timmy's amazement. Timmy walked around and around him and sniffed at his face as if to say, Huh, strange. No legs. Something's gone wrong. At last, nobody could eat any more. Nobby stood up to go, suddenly wondering if he had stayed too long. I was enjoying myself so much I forgot the time, he said awkwardly. I bet I've stayed too long and you've been too polite to tell me to get out. "'That wasn't half a good tea. "'Thanks awfully for all those delicious sandwiches. afraid my manners aren't like yours, kits. "'but thanks for a very good time.' "'You've got very good manners indeed,' said Anne warmly. "'You've been a splendid guest. "'Come again, won't you?' "'Well, thanks, I will,' said Nobby, "'forgetting his sudden awkwardness and beaming around. (gasps) "'Where's Pongo?' Oh, look at that chimp. He's got one of your ankeys, and he's blowing his nose. Anne squealed in delight. He can keep it, she said. It's only an old one. Will you be camping here for long? asked Nobby. Well, not just exactly here, said Julian. We thought of going up higher into the hills. It will be cooler there. But we might camp here just for tonight. We meant to go up higher this evening, but we might as well stay here and go tomorrow morning now. Perhaps we could see around the camp tomorrow morning? Not if Lou's there, you can't, said Nobby. Once he's told people to clear out, he means it. But it'll be all right if he's not. I'll come and tell you. All right, said Julian. I'm not afraid of Lou, but we don't want to get you into any trouble, Nobby.' If Lou's there tomorrow morning, we'll go on up into the hills. And you can always signal to us if he's out of the camp and we can come down any time. And mind you, come up and see us when you want to. (gasps) And bring Pongo, said Anne. You bet, said Nobby. Well, so long. He went off with Barker and Growler at his heels and with Pongo held firmly by the paw. Pongo did not want to go at all. He kept pulling back like a naughty child. ''I do like Nobby and Pongo,'' said Anne. ''I wonder what Mummy would say if she knew we'd made friends with a chimpanzee. (laughs) She'd have a fit.'' Julian suddenly looked rather doubtful. He was wondering if he had done right to follow the circus and let Anne and the others make friends with such strange folk and even stranger animals. But Nobby was so nice. He was sure his mother would like Nobby and they could easily keep away from Tiger Dan and Lou the Acrobat. Have we got enough to eat for supper tonight and breakfast tomorrow, he asked Dan, because there doesn't seem to be a farm near enough to go to just here. But Nobby says there's one up on the hills up there. The circus folk get their supplies from it too. What they don't get from the nearest town, apparently somebody goes in each day to shop. Oh, I'll just see what we've got in the larder, Julian, said Anne, getting up. She knew perfectly well what there was in the larder, but it made her feel grown up and important to go and look. It was nice to feel like that when she so often felt small and young and the others were big and knew so much. She called back to them, I've got eggs and tomatoes and potted meat, plenty of bread and a cake we bought today and a pound of butter. Oh, that's all right then, said Julian. We won't bother about going to the farm tonight. When darkness fell that night, there were clouds across the sky for the first time. Not a star showed and there was no moon. It was pitch black. And Julian, looking out of the window of his caravan before climbing into his bunk, could not even see a shimmer of water from the lake. He got into his bunk and pulled the covers up. In the other caravan, George and Anne were asleep. Timmy was, as usual on George's feet. She had pushed him off once or twice, but now that she was asleep, he was undisturbed (laughs) and lay heavily across her ankles, his head on his paws. Suddenly, his ears cocked up. He raised his hand cautiously, his head, sorry, cautiously. Then he growled softly in his throat. He had heard something, He sat there stiffly listening. He could hear footsteps from two different directions. Then he heard voices. Cautious voices. Low and muffled. Timmy growled again, more loudly. George woke up and reached for his collar. What's the matter? She whispered. Timmy listened and so did she. Low. They could both hear voices. Low. And muffled. George slipped quietly out of the bunk and went to the half-open door of the caravan. She couldn't see anything outside at all because it was so dark. Don't make a noise, Tim, she whispered. Timmy understood. He did not growl again, but George could feel the hairs rising all along the back of his neck. The voices seemed to come from not very far away. Two men must be talking together, George thought. Then she heard a match struck and in its light she saw two men lighting their cigarettes from the same match. She recognised them at once. They were Nobby's Uncle Dan and Lou, the acrobat. What were they doing here? Had they got a meeting place there or had they come to steal something from the caravans? George wished she could tell Julian and Dick, but she did not like to go out of her caravan in case the men heard her. At first, she could not hear anything the men said. They were discussing something very earnestly. Then, one raised his voice. "Okay, then, that's settled. Then came the sound of footsteps again, this time towards George's caravan. The men walked straight into the side of it, exclaimed in surprise and pain, and began to feel about to find out what they had walked into. Oh, it's those posh caravans, George heard Lou exclaim. Still here, I told those kids to clear out. "'What kids?' asked Tiger Dan in surprise. "'Evidently he had come back in the dark and did not know they had arrived.' "'Oh, some kid's nobby nose,' said Lou in an angry voice. "'He rapped loudly on the walls of the caravan and Anne woke up with a jump. "'George, just inside the caravan with Timmy, jumped in fright too. "'Timmy barked in rage. "'Julian and Dick woke up. "'Julian flashed on his torch and went to the door.' The light picked out the two men standing by George's caravan. What are you doing here at this time of night, said Julian, making a row like that? Clear off. This was quite the wrong thing to have said to Dan and Lou, both bad-tempered men, who felt that the whole of the camping ground around belonged to them and the circus. Who do you think you're talking to, shouted Dan angrily? You're the ones to clear off, do you hear? Didn't I tell you to clear out this afternoon? yelled Lou, losing his temper too. You do as you're told you, young rogue, or I'll set the dogs on you and have you chased for miles. Anne began to cry. George trembled with rage. Timmy growled. Julian spoke calmly but determinedly. "'We're going in the morning as we meant to already. "'But if you're suggesting we should go now, you can think again. "'This is as much your our camping ground as yours. "'Now get off and don't come disturbing us again.' "'I'll give you a leathering, you young cockerel!' "'cried Lou and began to unfasten the leather belt from around his waist. "'George let go her hold of Timmy's collar.' Go for them, Timmy, she said, but don't bite them, just worry them. Timmy sprang down to the ground with a joyful bark. He flung himself at the two men. He knew what George wanted him to do and although he really, really longed to snap at the two rogues with his sharp teeth, he didn't. He pretended to, though, and growled so fiercely that they were scared out of their wits. Lou hit out at Timmy, threatening to kill him, but Timmy cared for no threats of that kind. He got hold of Lou's right trouser leg, pulled and ripped it open from knee to ankle. Come on, the dog's mad, cried Dan. He'll have us by the throat if we don't go. Call him off you kids, we're going, but mind you, clear out in the morning, or we'll see you do. We'll pay you back one day. Seeing that the men really meant to go, George whistled to Timmy. Come here, Tim. Stand on guard till they've really gone and fly at them if they come back. But the men soon disappeared and nothing would have made either of them come back and face Timmy again that night. Ooh, that wasn't very good, was it? Not very good at all. So. I wonder what they're plotting and scheming. They can't just tell people to get out in the middle of the night, can they? Can't tell them to get out in the middle of the day either. Anyway, tomorrow we will read chapter eight and see what happens. <sighs> see if they come back. See if Timmy manages to, ooh, scare them away or savage them. I'd have let him savage them. <laughs> Anyway, that was chapter seven. So join me again tomorrow for chapter eight and we'll see what happens next. Until then, have a brilliant, brilliant day and take care and stay safe. See you all again tomorrow. Bye for now.